This time on episode 407 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk weekly Marvel news, including how much money streaming Black Widow to Disney Plus costs Disney, which Marvel show is the most pirated show of 2021, and what did Jessica Henwick say about returning to the MCU? Plus, your feedback, including a new fan theory on the ending to the Falcon and Winter Soldier, what's up with the Spider-Man No Way Home streaming possibilities, and the alternative post-credit scene to Hawkeye that should have been. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes shown via Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, January 6, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast universe-wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record, since we love talking about Marvel. Hey guys, this is our first show back from 2022 and from 2021. And how were your holidays, Lauren? Excellent. I got to spend a lot of time with my niece and I have had the themed bluey in my head ever since. Themed bluey. What is I'm that? I'm sorry. It's a, no, it's a really cute show, actually. It's this Australian kids show that's actually streaming on Disney+. Plus about a family of Australian cattle dogs, blue healers, red healers too. And it's just, it's really cute. And my niece is only seven months old, but she, for whatever reason, just will stop what she's doing and pay attention to it. And uh, it was great. I used it to help her get to sleep one day. It was fantastic. Uh, I also used something to get my nephew to sleep. He's 12 years old and his favorite chloroform Sub- yeah, yeah his favorite <laughs> subject in school is u.s history so i thought oh great so i went in on amazon prime and i brought up america the story of us thinking you know this is great he'll be able to use it in school you know get a little bit edge up he'll get actual facts and told in an entertaining way he fell asleep within 15 minutes can i recommend a book for him sure Lies My Teacher Told Me by James W. Lowen. Okay. Lies My Teacher Told Me. It's excellent. All right. I don't picture him as a reader, but we'll see if we can get him. It's also an audio book. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. Anyway, Chris, how were your holidays? Got to spend time with family I hadn't seen for a while. Got plenty of Marvel-related things as presents. Some of those were presents to me from me, but it still counts. I got some Marvel presents, too. I'll have to fish them out for next time. 
Although after the holidays, the very first day back, January 3rd, I went to my annual eye appointment and I was told I have cataracts. So at some point in time, I will be having surgery. I don't know if it'll be this year. We'll see. But driving at night's a little, getting a little sporty. So at some point in time, I'll have to do that. I did, however, order new podcasting glasses. So at some point in time, you will see new specs on this face. Are they going to be like a different, exciting color or? They'll be a little darker. I got the same anti-glare coating, you know, the the most advanced coating and everything else. I got new bifocals, so the whole thing's going to cost me about 500 bucks. but hey, it was worth it to get new glasses, and hopefully they'll help me see a little bit better, but again, with the cataracts, there's only so much you can do, and my right eye is the most effective, so affected, so we'll see what happens there. So yeah, this old man is getting older, got gray in the beard, cataracts. This is just, it's turning out to be a great year already, 2022. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Marvel Studios content and the production thereof and everything. And since we recorded two weeks ago, I didn't think there was going to be this much news, but we do have plenty to talk about today. Chris, why don't you start us off? The first thing we're going to talk about is the Black Widow streaming and the piracy estimated to have cost Disney $600 million. With tentpoles bound to surge the 2022 box office, the great theatrical streaming day and date experiment goes out like a dud in 2021. So following Black Widow, it was clear that the day-to-day leads to a freefall at the box office in the subsequent weekend of a Marvel Cinematic Universe title. The Scarlett Johansson movie did really bad. It dropped off like 68% in that second weekend. The crimping in that window size, which of course impacts the star's bonus, led to the twice Oscar-nominated actress suing Disney and settling for a reported $40 million plus. And adding to the further falling of those box office for any theatrical day and date release on the streaming is the fact that these movies are pirated promptly with clean 4K copies in several languages spread around the world. You know, because people can just pop it off their TV right there. By the end of August, sources in the know informed us, which was deadline for this quote here, that Black Widow had been pirated more than 20 million times. That's close to a $600 million estimated loss on Black Widow on Disney Plus video on demand revenue alone. Yeah, it premiere video on demand is what they use, PVOD. We talked about it a couple of months ago. So yeah, that's the big news. 20 million pirates from 4K, you know, right from the TV, as you said, I can use screen capture software myself to do it. I didn't, to make it clear, I didn't. I paid the money and I got Black Widow right from Disney+. Plus. But this, combined with everything else in the article that Deadline had, squarely said that studios are not going to do day-and-day release on streaming right away. They're going to use that time that they can in the box office to get as much money as they can there because that's where the sweet spot is. And then they'll throw it on streaming. I think we'll see a lot more of the premiere video on demand where you actually have to pay for it, just like Black Widow. But when they do that, they're only really going to see the one weekend numbers because after that, you're going to be able to pirate it. Now, to be clear, I do not pirate anything anymore. I value the content that I watch. So I generally pay for it. Matter of fact, I don't watch anything pirated anymore. So I paid the 30 bucks for Black Widow, but I know a lot of people, a lot of younger generation are like, why am I paying for this? It's available. Everything on the internet's available for free. I should be able to get it for free. So because of that, we're not going to be able to see 
all these films right in the movie theater. And that hits us home here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. for two movies right away that I can think about, Eternals and Spider-Man No Way Home. I know some of us have seen both, but not all four of us have seen those two movies. And we're going to wait until they come out streaming. Next week, we'll talk about Eternals on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it'll be out on Disney+. Plus. But we're going to wait until it comes out streaming. And that's just the way it's going to be. I'm old. I can wait. I have patience. Some people may not. So whatever. I I know that the case counts for COVID are just running rampant. I know that Omicron is supposed to have milder symptoms, but still, I just, I I don't want to expose myself for that because I have contact with older people, both at work and at home. And I just don't want to have them at risk because I wanted to watch a movie. So I, I made that decision myself. But I know other people think differently, so good on you. But it just means that I'm not going to go to the movie theater and and watch any of these movies in the theater. I'm going to see it streaming. That's my decision. Chris, what do you think? I mean, my pirating decision pretty much comes down to, are the people who made this product actually getting money from it? So, like, emulators with regular Nintendo games that you can't get on any of the current late Nintendo Switch online things, I still have those. I have no problem with keeping those. But a movie that's still in theaters, I don't mess with that kind of thing. And especially with the giant backlog of everything that I have to watch, you know, I can watch other things. My wife and I are going through The Simpsons. We've got plenty of content there to keep us busy until whatever movie it is we're looking at here comes to streaming. That's so much content to watch. It's just it's incredible. I'm doing the rewatch right now of The Expanse because I haven't seen season six yet. So I'm doing the entire watch through from season one on. I mean, that's, that's going to take a few weeks, if not a couple of months, just to get through all that. So, yeah, I've got plenty there. Lauren, what do you think about this? OK, we've established that I have no patience. You know, that experiment they did with the kids where they were like, if you can hold out on eating one marshmallow now, you'll have six later or whatever it is. I would have already eaten it before they finished the sentence. (laughs) Again, this is me taking my own personal risk. I have gone to see Marvel movies in the theaters lately. I do mask up. I go to off-hours showings. But it is still a risk. And honestly, I probably shouldn't be taking it. But... Again, no patience, and I don't interact with that many people, like, at all. I tend to stay home a lot. So when it comes to pirating, I'm not sure it counts as... I mean, it probably does. There's a lot of, like, British stuff that I watch on YouTube that people upload, like Great British Bake Off and Big Fat Quiz of the Year, Taskmaster, QI... In recent years, they have started putting them up on YouTube for, you know, U.S. visitors because, hey, if people are going to be watching it anyway, why not monetize it? But, yeah, I've watched stuff that's not, you're not able to get in the U.S. yet. In terms of this, I feel like it's just going to lead to more pirating in the future because you don't have that opportunity for people to watch it at home. They made a big deal about it with Black Widow, 
because of the whole, oh, we're trying an experiment thing. But go back and look at piracy numbers for other movies, which I'm actually now looking up. So the Deadline article goes into all the movies that were released last year. They went into the Wonder Woman movie. They speculated that maybe they should have waited for that. Honestly, after the first weekend, judging by the reactions that not only we had, but everybody else that I knew had about it and the general public had about the Wonder Woman movie, there was significant issues that people had with the movie. I still don't think it would have done as good as they wanted it to just because the movie ultimately wasn't that great. But there are other examples throughout the year that they threw in on the Deadline article as well. It wasn't just solely focused on Black Widow. And they were saying that all the movie theaters or all the movie production houses were in the mode of not doing the streaming release. Again, I think that's a mistake. But I found a website that actually it's from, it has information from 2019, which I was specifically looking for because I wanted pre-pandemic numbers. In May of 2019, superhero movies were the most pirated content. According to uh, this website, LegalJobs.io, Avengers Infinity War led the way with 5.29 million illegal downloads. Captain Marvel came in second with 4.09, and Aquaman had 3.85 million downloads. So I would like to see... Oh, wait, no, there's the number, 20 million times. Okay, it is higher than Well, because it was so much easier. So much easier. Again, I think the key issue here is that... Sorry, I have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's the whole pandemic thing. But regardless of that, or regardless of that, I know you have an issue with me saying irregardless. I'm trying to get over it. Yes. Regardless of that, you have the simple ability to stream to your computer... And Mm -hmm. I have multiple monitors set up. I have streaming capture software that I legally have, legitimately have for podcasting and tutorial creation. I can easily go over to the second screen that it's playing on and I can capture that video and audio because there's no CRM or DRM or whatever you call it that is preventing me from capturing that at the 4K resolution. And then put it out there on a BitTorrent site or whatever. Now, I haven't done that. I don't do that. But I know a lot of people did. I mean, 20 million people watched it. And because of that, I'm gathering hundreds, actually, or thousands, actually captured the movie. So it's that easy if you stream it at home to any of the apps because all the apps are available on the computer. So because of that, I think the movie houses are saying, look, we don't care if there's reduced attendance in the audience, but we want that 45 days or 90 days or 120 days, whatever it is, in order to get the maximum amount of ticket prices that we can before we throw it up on streaming, because we know that when we throw it up on streaming, we're only going to be able to monetize the first weekend. And then after that, it's going to be significantly downhill. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm really curious as to how all of the movies that have been released in the pandemic have done with regards to piracy, especially the difference between the Disney Plus ones and ones like the HBO Max ones. They're all in this deadline article. You can can read. I will read that deadline article. Yeah. But after we're done. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the Black Widow streaming and piracy. Lauren, what have we learned? For those who may be checking out Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the first time, you may not know that we are a podcast that actually covers Marvel Studios properties, including Disney Plus shows. The latest one was Hawkeye. The latest episode that we did right before this was on the finale for Hawkeye. We found out that Kingpin was in there. We found out that it was played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who is the same actor that played Kingpin in the Netflix Defenders, which we have also covered the entirety of the 13 seasons over there. And uh, there is a little bit more background after the show in what was done with the character. So this is an article from geekculture.co about Vincent D'Onofrio confirming that Hawkeye's Kingpin is the same as Netflix Kingpin, and he wants a showdown with Spider-Man. He has said he obviously has more physical strength and can take a lot more physical abuse, but from story point of view, it was discussed that this is after the blip, that he's the same guy that he was in Daredevil, but he's lost some of his power. My arc in Hawkeye is that I want my power back. So from an actor's point of view, it's portraying him exactly with the same emotional feel and foundation that I did in Daredevil. We discussed that, whether this is the same version. And in fact, in the article, they mentioned that the Netflix series were never... Okay, they were initially identified as part of the MCU, but there was no crossover. Nothing was referenced in the movies. And when the shows were canceled... Fans, including me, began to speculate that Marvel Studios had no intention of recognizing them. I think I've gone on record as saying I've hammered everything out in my head by thinking, okay, well, until proven otherwise, it's just an alternate universe. It's a multiverse. But it's looking like this might actually be that same kingpin. He also mentioned very early in the year They reached out. Kevin, actually, Kevin Feige. Kevin called me and invited me to do Hawkeye. And you can imagine, I was extremely excited about that. And here's the quote about Spider-Man. I think because of the history of the comic books when I was a kid, Punisher, Daredevil, and Spider-Man, my hope is that someday I get to face all of them as the character of Kingpin. I think that would be nice. And mentioning the season finale and is that the end for Kingpin? He doesn't know what's in store for the future, but has stated, I can only hope that we do it, meaning play more of the character. I think that would be great. And I think we all just have to keep our fingers crossed that it happens. And so, again, I think the biggest story here is that we were speculating that this might be an alternative universe kingpin just played by the same guy. And it wasn't. It's actually supposed to be. Vincent D'Onofrio, the same guy that was in Netflix Defenders. And I mentioned the fat suit was different before. So this is the after the blip five years later, he has obviously not had a good time with his physical self. I mean, I, I think he would always admit that he wasn't quite as healthy as he should be, even though he's powerful and strong and everything. But he had gained some weight and that was depicted here as a factor of after the blip so chris i know you like spider-man i know you like kingpin what do you think about all this tom holland and vincent d'afrio together i think is would just be perfect most of my introduction of kingpin was as a spider-man villain anyway so no matter what anybody says i think about him with spider-man 
I mean, it was that 90s Spider-Man animated series, and that's where I got all of my Kingpin stuff from growing up. So knowing that he's up there, putting that thought into people's ears who could potentially make this happen, I'm really excited. It's like the second best spider thing that could happen in the MCU. I think if you go back and listen to all of our episodes that we did on Daredevil, we must have talked about it several times. The fact that Kingpin is more of a Spider-Man villain. They just used him as the main Daredevil villain for the Netflix shows. And so I'm glad that he's coming out now. We got Kingpin in Into the Spider-Verse in the animated version. So we had him against all those Spider-Man. So I think this is appropriate as we move forward to have Kingpin in the MCU because he's more of a holistic MCU villain, especially since Spider-Man is, I haven't seen No Way Home, so I don't know what's going on with that. But since Spider-Man is still one of the original Avengers from the MCU that's still available out there, at least prior to No Way Home, that's what I think. I had to go back and look at who voiced Kingpin in the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. And that was the great Roscoe Lee Brown, who was in things like Logan's Run. He was a voice in Treasure Planet and Oliver and Company. He kept voicing Kingpin through 2005. He was in Static Shock. He was in Babe Pig in the City. Freakazoid. He did a lot of voice work because with a voice like that, of course, he did a wonderful job. Actually, most of the people that they have brought in to play Kingpin in Marvel stuff have been fantastic. We had Vincent D'Onofrio. We had Michael Clark Duncan. We had, oh, shoot, I'm, who voiced him in Into the Spider-Verse? Help me out. I want to say Leo Shriver. I don't know. IMDb, come to my rescue. But yeah, Roscoe Lee Brown. Kingpin has a wonderful, wonderful on-screen pedigree with all of that. Yeah, and I think this is denoting that Vincent D'Onofrio knows his character. Yeah. He is into the character and he knows what the character should be in the Marvel comics and that he wants to bring that forward into the MCU. So good on him for not just coming in and collecting a paycheck, very powerful villain and everything. And if you watch him on social media and everything, he's, he's having fun doing this character. So he definitely wants to have the character out there a little bit more. I was right. It was Leo Shriver in into the spider verse. Okay. So, Chris, we have another story dealing with piracy. I just realized we threw me all the piracy stories. <laughs> we have a history of piracy where I'm from. It works. So, WandaVision was the most pirated TV show of 2021. Does this surprise anybody? No, it was really good. Yeah, if you look down this list, you have a bunch of Disney Plus shows on there, but WandaVision definitely was ranked number one. This is done by torrent freak every year and so this year the top 10 shows were wandavision loki the witcher so that's not a marvel show the falcon and the winter soldier hawkeye what if and then as number seven it goes foundation that's an apple tv plus show rick and morty which was number six last year is number eight this year arcane and wheel of time so the first six shows five of them are the marvel shows and the witcher is the only one that found its way in there 
I think that says something about the availability and the greatness of the shows. So first of all, availability, because of the pandemic, there weren't a lot of shows that were being shot during the previous year and being released. And then you had no Marvel content for a year, and then you had all this Marvel content and people flocked to it. I think that says something about the MCU and their fandom. One of the issues that I have with all these streaming services is none of them have what I would call accurate statistics. So they can say, like Netflix can say, Disney Plus can say, Prime can say, oh, we had X amount of views within the first 48 hours, or we've had X amount of total streams or whatever. Okay, what's the standard? Is one equal to the other? Is there any sort of gamemanship going on? Obviously, I mean, if I was presenting numbers, I would want them to be as big as possible. So from those perspectives, I have an issue. But if you go to a independent source that is using numbers from something else, like how many torrent, again, piracy, how many torrent downloads are there, then at least you get an impartial one-to-one correlation between all the services. And this is what they're saying there. It also could speak to the availability of, of being able to pirate the issues as well, which any streaming TV, I think you could be able to see that. Anyway, I, WandaVision, definitely number one. We talked about it at last show. WandaVision was a lot of our favorites. What do you think, Lauren? WandaVision. I keep trying to figure out which is my favorite of the Disney Plus shows, and I still think it's WandaVision, just personally. Yeah, probably WandaVision or Hawkeye for me, which, hey, you know, I get the bookends right now until something else comes out. But one of the things that also really bothers me with their methodology and finding this out here is that they are looking at how many times did people download something of WandaVision or Loki or anything. So shows that were serialized and were put out episode by episode got a little bit of a boost because, you know, if I'm downloading Squid Game, everything is available at once. Most of these torrents, if they're still done from when 20,000 years ago when I was in college getting stuff, (laughs) it would have been the entire series of Squid Game in one shot. So downloading all of WandaVision, you get one for every episode. Downloading Squid Game, you just get the one. And that's numbers they're comparing here. That's a good point. Yeah. The serial. And I felt that there's more of a fandom growth. As you're releasing the episodes on a periodic timeline, like one a week or two a week or something like that, we've seen different variations of it versus we're going to drop it all at once. We had this discussion a long time ago talking about the Netflix Defender series. Yeah. I think this is denoting actual statistics saying what is better. So good call, Chris. Our next news story gets into an added additional feature that we have found since Hawkeye ended. They published to Disney Plus a Hawkeye blooper reel, and it revealed deleted scenes and uh, more kingpin footage. I will put in quotes (laughs) footage. So I watched this a couple of days ago or whatever. The two co-hosts here just watched it like minutes before we started recording. So it's fresh in their minds. It's basically two minutes long. It's not any dialogue. It's actual outtakes or bloopers or whatever you want to call it. It's not screen use footage. It's done in the theme or the style of like a 90s sitcom opening credits that last two minutes. And you might be thinking, oh, wow, that's a long two minutes. But they go through each character and they give 
the good poses and the smiles from different scenes and everything. And they actually put the name and the character up there. And then they actually go through like, and with, and special starring and guest starring or whatever at the end, several different things like you would see in a love boat. And for those of you that are old enough to remember love boat, the love boat opening credit themes. So I think it was really well done. And I don't even know this song, Sweet Gingerbread Man, because I'm not a big music guy, but it seemed to fit the whole thing in a 90s thing. So I know that everybody has their favorite scenes that they saw there. Lauren, what was your favorite that you saw? Anything with Florence Pugh and Aloka Cox, they're both just adorable. And it's fun seeing them be smiley and giggly, especially Alakwa, because she was just so serious during the show now, i didn't realize it until i was watching these opening credits but alakwa cox and charlie cox have the same last name totally not related as far as i know but i mean that's some connections there anyway chris what was your favorite part of the two minute opening my favorite scene honestly was vincent d'onofrio and just the way that they kind of choppily blocked his name off so you couldn't read it and they're just showing the back of his head. And I saw that. And yes, I realized that this is me seeing that after I've seen the entire series. But who else could that have been? I mean, come on. Well, it was Fat Suit. So, I mean, I could have probably been. The- I can see why they didn't put this out until now, though. Yeah, it was just really neat that they blocked out Vincent D'Onofrio's name, but you can clearly see the bottom of the letters as you go mm-hmm. across, so you know it's Vincent D'Onofrio. It's like baby's first block out. It's, it's a decent job. It's fun. It's very much, it reminds me of an FMV fandom music video. You had the tracksuit mafia in there. <laughs> they got special thanks. Yeah, that's right. And I think I, my favorite would have been the scenes with Haley, because she just made the show. I Maybe somebody else could have pulled it off, but I know Haley from other things that she's done and she brought her personality into this. And I'm I'm so grateful that she did. And she worked well with Jeremy Renner. And I think she's going to work well with Florence Pugh because we saw her in several (laughs) scenes on that. And I think she's going to work well with Laura too, when she gets that chance with Linda there playing Laura. So we'll see what all happens there. If you haven't taken a, a look at it and we haven't enticed you enough, you should go to Disney Plus and you should watch this. It only takes two minutes and it's just a fun watch. So Lauren, talking about the Netflix Defenders <laughs> universe, we actually had the opportunity through some pre-show, pre-release movie pressers to find out about what's going on possibly with another character. Indeed. So speaking of women I love, Jessica Henwick recently had an interview with comicbook.com talking about Marvel and the Matrix and Colleen Wing. So it's been known for a while that Jessica Henwick was offered a role in Shang-Chi, but turned it down. The way that she said it, I believe, is that the script for Matrix Resurrection and Shang-Chi showed up at about the same time. But because she would be playing a new character, i.e. Xiaoling, probably, in Shang-Chi, she decided to go with the Matrix so that, hey, maybe Colleen can come back. As for whether or not Henwick will be reprising that role, it seems there's no news on that front yet. When asked if she would be interested in portraying the MCU's Iron Fist, Henwick didn't exactly dismiss the idea. 
Look, the way we left Iron Fist, spoiler alert, Colleen has the power and she's in a really good place. Enwick told comicbook.com, I would love to revisit her. That character meant a lot to me and really changed my life. And I would love to revisit her one day, but it would have to be the right place and the right time and the right script, but never say never. With that said, if you get the chance to watch Matrix Resurrections, she's fantastic in it. I love her character. I love the actress. I love Colleen Wing. So, yes, let's make all of this happen. We know they're not inviting Finn Jones back as Iron Fist. So let's just bring Colleen Wing back into it and not speak of anything else again. Finn Jones. Okay, cool. We just had to get that ghost out of here. Honestly, I think Colleen was my favorite character in Iron Fist anyway. So I'm glad that there is a possibility of her coming back in. I'm glad that Jessica Henwick got to be in Matrix because that was a really fun movie. No matter, I mean, I didn't go into that expecting something super mind blowing. I expected a fun action movie and I got what I expected. So I'm good there. And yes, some of this is probably just professional actor. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to lock myself out of future roles, but I mean, I could tell she was having fun playing Colleen and me and my wife were having fun watching her play Colleen. So let's make this happen. I'm all for bringing her on. Matter of fact, I think universally we've said from Iron Fist, she and the night nurse and what's her name? The detective. Misty Knight. Misty Knight. The three of them, even though they all weren't originated from Iron Fist, those three definitely needed to come out of Iron Fist into the rest of the MCU. So I hope we get them. Give us the Daughters of the Dragon. Is that what they are, those three? That's Well, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing in particular. Oh, okay. But yeah, throw Claire Temple in there. Why not? We know that Colleen's been teaching her to fight. We can do this. So I'm looking forward to if and when it eventually happens. I got to believe that the direction that they're going is to try to bring out more and more of those actors. Kevin Feige has one heck of a world to play in, just like Star Wars. And so far, he's been doing a good job of not doing Marvel fatigue, but we might be closing in on that. So we might get less and less properties. And as we do that, there's going to be less and less opportunities for these characters to come on. That's assuming that there's less opportunities. I don't know. There might, because these are shorter series. These aren't 20 episode seasons. These are six to 10 episode series on Disney Plus. And of course, you still have the movies every year. So I don't know. We'll see what both Disney and Kevin Feige have in mind in the future. It's still the pandemic. So who knows what regular tempo is going to be post pandemic if there is a post pandemic. All right. So the last thing, last news story that we're going to talk about brings us back to the show's home. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So comicbook.com had an article basically saying that fans of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are seeing all of this multiverse stuff happening, seeing characters coming back from series that should have ended, like we've talked about this entire episode here. So as we're recording this yesterday and today, which is the 5th and 6th of January 2022, there was a big old campaign online of, hey, save Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, bring it back. Let us get some more of that. Because you had such a fun cast there. 
And as much as I see people say, hey, let Coulson be gone. No, bring him back too, because he's like the third best character on there. I'm fine personally, either way, because it happened. I enjoyed it, whatever. But for the people who do have this major investment, yeah, just let's just do it. Come on. I loved there's a quote in the article about Colson lives started on Twitter. So who knows? And exactly. If people have there's fandom is a huge factor in entertainment today. I've heard it said that a lot of shows on CW are kept around because they have an active fandom as opposed to actually bringing in numbers. And again, yeah, they pointed out Colson lives started on Twitter and we got agents of shield out of it. And it was pretty awesome. It would be cool if Marvel kept it canon somehow, even if it was, hey, let's dip into this multiverse for a second. Now I want to do a rewatch now that I'm thinking about it. I've been wanting to do an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rewatch for quite some time, and I chose West Wing instead. Otherwise, it would have, be done, would have been done already, but it's not. So I do plan on doing that here in 2022, just to keep everything straight in my mind. We did podcasts on every single episode in this show. So, I mean, we do have history with it, but I would like to take it with a fresh mind, basically, after we know how everything ended and, and just see how it unfolded. And I think the reason why this was brought forward is because of the Agent 19 thing in the end of Hawkeye and the whole thing with Laura and with Mockingbird, stuff like that. So I think that's why this is a bigger issue now than it was just a few weeks ago, but it's been bubbling all year. We talked about what is canon and what is not canon earlier last year, a few months ago, and we talked about what was going on in the MCU wiki. So this is an ongoing thing. There are a lot of fervent fans out there that have expressed their desires to Marvel and Kevin Feige, but we'll see how they're able to bring it into the universe. Is it going to be a direct correlation? I don't know, but we'll see. And the last couple of seasons definitely went off on a different tangent, but the way the Marvel universe is right now, matter of fact, then the very next movie that we're going to get with Dr. Strange is going to enable a lot of things. So why not fix this during that process? I hope so. I mean, Ming-Na herself is working with Disney so much right now with the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett. I would hope that they would use her again in Dr. Strange as a character, just to denote what the connection was back to agents of shield. Bill Coulson, that's a rough one because he died in Avengers. Then he died again. Then he died again. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with all that, but I do miss agents of shield. We've had so much good stuff this past year that I'm okay to move on from it. Nothing lasts forever. One of my favorite last episode titles and shows was the end of Star Trek Next Generation. All good things, meaning all good things come to end. And look where we are now with Star Trek. Yes, you can say they've had some bad times, but Picard is just incredible. The series Picard on Paramount Plus is incredible. And personally, I love Disco and Lower Decks, too. Oh, yeah. Lower Decks is great. There's some some excellent stuff there for a great variety of taste. It's fantastic. And 
you wouldn't have gotten that necessarily had you not had all good things, right? Mm-hmm. You have to end something to start something else, in my opinion, because things only last so long. I mean, even The Simpsons, it's lasted <laughs> 30 years, but when's the last time you watched an episode of Simpsons? Like an hour ago. Okay. <laughs> Did you watch the very first episode? Did you watch the first few seasons live? No, I think I was four. Yeah, right. So I did. I kind of grew out of it as things happen. And yeah, we are where we're at today. I was not allowed to watch it. (laughs) I could see why. I just want to see the continued adventures of Fitz and Simmons. (laughs) Yes. Can we get that as a comic, at least a web comic? Do what DC is doing right now with the Bat Family comic on Webtoon. Just give us good, happy, fun time with Fitz and Simmons. That'd be fun. So that's it for our news stories. We're going to get into some feedback, but before we get into feedback, it's not an episode currently of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. without a wacky question from Director SP. So I know both of you haven't been preparing for this because you're thinking, oh, it's a news-only podcast. We're not going to do this. Well, ah, I'm going to do it. And here's the question. It might need some clarification, but here's the question. If you are a Marvel superhero in the MCU, don't care what it is, who it is, whatever, could be existing, could be somebody new, I don't care. Definition of a superhero. If you are a superhero in the MCU, who would be your top three Marvel non-powered sidekicks? So out of the entire MCU, who would be your top three? And if you can only think of one or two, that's fine. Who would be your top three? So I'll give you an example of who would be my top three non-powered so no superpowers just you know sidekicks or additional characters my three would be boggy nelson this is off the top of my head so if i actually looked at a list it might be different boggy nelson agent piper from agents of shield she's badass and and i debated not doing this because i don't know if she could be my sidekick much longer but darcy lewis and the reason <laughs> i mean the chemistry there would just be too much i mean we would just have to have a romantic involvement and it would be a way too much arrowish for me with um, what happened over there on arrow and dc so but anyway those would be my top 3 so you guys can see that see where i'm going with this you have some concept of where you want to go in your minds just regular people. Yeah, regular people. Sam Wilson, Darcy Lewis, and, uh, oh, geez, I just had this in my head. You might have to... Claire Temple. Okay. You might have to submit somebody else for Sam because he does fit the definition of a superhero, even mm-hmm. though he's non-powered. He's non-powered. He just know, has a suit. But he's a superhero, so... Mm, is he, though? Yeah, well... This is what I would. Well, I mean, he's he's a hero and he is a super guy, but he's he's now a main character. Okay, in that case, Maria Rambo. Okay, good three, good. So Claire Temple, Maria Rambo, and Darcy Lewis. Darcy Lewis, Chris. All right, so I'm going to need somebody to handle the home base. So we're going to have Laura because she's good with that. I'm going to need somebody who I know can watch my back. So we're going to have Peggy Carter, because that also means I get to listen to her talk the entire time, and the accent is good there. Okay, as long as you don't go Captain Carter, I no, will have no, to allow no. it. I'll no, have to allow it. Normal and human Peggy Carter. I'm kicking myself that I did not pick that one. So if I had to sub out Darcy, I would sub in Peggy Carter. Okay, that's your number two. What's your number three? My number three is tough. 
Wait a minute. If Sam Wilson doesn't count, then why does Peggy Carter? She was also lead of her own show. I know, but non-powered. Neither of them are powered, though. Uh, Okay, whatever. The joy of comic book discussions. Number three, I'm (laughs) going to take Lucky. Okay. Okay. Sure. So if you can't have Peggy Carter. If I can't have Peggy Carter, then... Because she was covering accent and watching my back. And you're going to give me crap if I say Kate Bishop. No. <laughs> well, yeah. If I can well. slip that in, then obviously her. No, I wouldn't. I, I, no, you can't do Kate Bishop. I know. I know. Because personally, I said she's the definition of a superhero because she went 1v1 against Wilson Fisk. <sighs> so... Um, th- that was last episode. I can't give it to you based on that. I know. I know. It's so hard. I know. I'd probably take Darcy. Okay. Yeah, I, I um, was thinking, 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 and then Agent Piper just popped in my head. I remember the last few seasons in there. She really became a, her own, and she's still viable as a character in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe over there. You don't remember how that ended. Uh, she took the the kid out of the way of Sybil, I think was her name in season six and uh, got him to safety. So uh, yeah, that's what I'll do there. Anyway, listener, if you have a list of the top three non-man characters, non-powered sidekicks that you would pick as your sidekick as a superhero, and it doesn't matter who the superhero is or what your powers are or whatever, uh, you can make it up if you want to, but that's not the purpose of this. Purpose is who are your top three MCU sidekicks? And Michelle, if you're listening to this, you can come to the next show with your list as well. In the meantime, we have some feedback from our audience. Over on Twitter, our very own Michelle Ely and Twitter said at Shell Game. Interesting idea at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's not her idea, but she found it and she brought it to us and she's not here. So this is technically feedback for this episode. This is from a Twitter account at Hector is funny and it was posted on December 27th. What if the person Sharon Carter was calling at the end of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was Wilson Fisk? Dun, dun, dun. That would actually be amazing. It would, wouldn't it? And Kevin Feige's had this idea all along, so maybe that's it. I mean, we've all had our theories at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I guess, Chris, you haven't been able to relate yours, but we all had our theories as who she was on the phone with. Chris, what do you think about this theory? This theory could really work. You'd really be able to pull everything together from this new wave of heavy metal Marvel shows and... You need a little bit more British accent in there. But other than that, I can't think of a better person for her to be calling. Maybe Badrock the Leaper, just because I want to see him somehow. The one detriment I would say to this is every time I think of Wilson Fisk, and this might not be true, but every time I think of Wilson Fisk, I think New York City centric. So not necessarily global mob lead, but I could be wrong on that. He's playing the long game. He is. Just don't say anything against Vanessa, because you won't be playing the long game. 
I'm thinking of that mannequin again. <laughs> okay. Also, this guy, I don't know, Stargate Peener. <laughs> Stargate Pioneer. Right after we recorded the last episode, I found an article that said the streaming for Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be on Stars. So I posted that on our Discord server. It's an article from Rolling Stone that basically I could point to. There was a lot of other articles, but I backed it up to Rolling Stone. And it said basically that Sony has given stars the rights to a lot of movies, including Spider-Man No Way Home. So likely when Spider-Man No Way Home comes out streaming, it will be on stars. So I just have to find the availability on stars. Just want to drive that one home. That is where we're looking to watch it. So once it's available on Stars, we will be recording our podcast episode on it. And also, I had a private message from consultant Jason. He's been on the show before on our Discord server. He goes by Alurun, A-L-L-E-R-U-N. He runs his own network, the Creative Brain Candy Network, including a couple of shows. One is superhero-related called Smoking and Drinking in Capes, and he posted a private message to me said you are right about the post credit scene they had another they were going to run that involved kingpin but switched it at the last minute to that idiotic musical number his words idiotic musical number not mine i found it slightly amusing but it wasn't the post credit scene that we wanted so the scene that he's talking about that involved kingpin was interesting because that's not the one i saw the one i saw that they were going to film was the tracksuit mafia guys that had got shrunk in the van. They were going to be in the tree with the owl. And that's what they were going to show as the post credit scene. There are lots of new stories out there about different possibilities or maybe multiple possibilities. And instead we got the musical number instead. Just wanted to close the loop on that. What do you two think of the different post credit scene that might have been? I'm hoping they'll release it at some point, like on a little Disney Plus thing or YouTube or just whatever. It sounds fun. I liked the musical number because I like musical theater and I found it hilarious. But again, that's just me. I was about to ask Jason if you wanted to be on my show, but I guess that's not going to happen anymore since he thinks the musical number is idiotic. (laughs) I mean, a Kingpin one would have been fun. Your one with the owl would have been fun. The musical number was fun. My theory that I had last episode was I had hoped that Kate Bishop would have met another young Avenger, you know, whoever that was, wherever that was, and it just didn't happen, right? So it might be too early for them to start connecting the dots. Like Kevin Feige might not want people that are casual fans to start connecting the dots to this young Avengers, right? So if they would have done that at the end of Hawkeye, then it would have possibly been problematic. I don't know how, but problematic with the other Young Avengers series that are coming up, like Ms. Marvel, possibly Echo, and some of the other series that are coming up. That's the only thing I can think of. Anyway, just wanted to point out that the musical number, I think we ran a news story last episode that it was kind of a shock to the producers or the directors or whatever, Burton and Bertie, that they, they didn't think, they were like, what, what are you doing here? But, uh, or no, uh, the other director, uh, I want to say Ryan something or another. Anyway, it was a shock to them that they didn't know that this was going to be the post credit scene. So anyway, so that's all the news for this week. That's all our feedback for this week. So hang on a second. We've got some more talking for you. 
Okay, we would like to thank everybody who listens and has been listening to us in the past, or maybe you're just joining us now. Either way, we hope that you have a a very good 2020. We hope that we continue to provide you with entertainment in the new year. And we hope that you will let us know all of your Marvel opinions so that we can discuss them and then get off topic and have SP try to wrangle us back on track. Lauren, did you do some time traveling over the break that I didn't know about? Maybe. Why? Because you mentioned 2020. We're in 2022. Okay, look, it's been 2020 for the past three years. (laughs) Have a happy 2022, everybody. 2022 Electric Boogaloo. Right. So, Chris, have you started production on your show yet this year? Yeah, Play Comics has definitely started up on 2022. The first episode of the year we had, we were talking to John Zvedesi. He's going to be fine with the way I mispronounced that because he tried to tell me that was fine before. But just taking another look at Legacy Comics and what they've got going on over there. And next week is another in a long string of bonus episodes, which need to probably slow down so I can get back to the main focus of the show. But the next episode, we're looking at a anthology called The Color of Always. Color of Always is an LGBTQA plus love anthology. All right. I want to thank everybody that has listened to this podcast and continue to listen to this podcast because of a response to another podcast that I do, Better Podcasting, that asked for the most downloaded episodes of 2021. I actually went back in our stats and did the math. So just to let everybody know, thank you very much for downloading our episode on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier penultimate one. That was our most downloaded episode of 2021. Apparently, everybody wanted to know what was happening at that point in time. So that's great. But the next four episodes that were the next highest downloaded were all WandaVision. So obviously, WandaVision was very important in that one, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was an anomaly. So thank you for downloading all our shows. Those were our five biggest downloaded shows in 2021. And if you want to contact us on anything, you can find all our shows at legendsofshield.com. We do have a voicemail number at 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. We have a Twitter account at Legends of Shield. And you can always catch us on our Discord server on our channel, Legends of Shield over there. And the Discord server is gunnageek.com slash Discord. So that's it for this week. We're looking forward to reviewing Eternals next week. Until next time, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Chris. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Buttons. I'm a rocket scientist. I like pushing buttons. I mean, I see the flag back there. But I also know that I'm coming from my show where I can press all the buttons I want. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. 
The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. How are your holidays? Nice and mostly uneventful. It was very good. Did uh, Kaylee do the cake shaped like the inside of a computer? I forgot to send that to y'all, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I figured it went horribly wrong and you did not want to send us. No, it was actually really good. Cool. Did she like try to emulate an actual computer with like... She started to and then was having a little too much trouble matching it up perfectly and just kind of went for what whatever she felt like would look right. Okay. And luckily had some of the Mocha Kit Kats left over. Oh, that's the good stuff. Any questions? Yes. Which jersey do you have today? Oh, this is a new one. Hasn't been on the show before. Hey. Nice. Forget what it says on the back. I think it's Wedge Antilles on the back. I think it's Antilles. Yeah. (laughs) So while we were podcasting, James Webb reached 70% distance complete to L2. Hey. Of course, it's going to take more than 70% of the remaining time to get there. I believe just short of 19 days, and it's only been out there for 12, but it is slowly decelerating. Started out at about one mile per second. It's around, or maybe it was like two or three miles per second. It's down to 0.27 miles per second, continually slowing. So (laughs) it's going to be where it is. Anyway, I'd just been following this whole thing on web.nasa.gov and and, uh, how fast it's going, where it is, and What's the temperature? It's been pretty cool to watch. Yeah. I can't wait to see what we get from it. It's going to be awesome. Oh, today is the one year anniversary of Scott and I going to visit our first potential house and making our first offer and it immediately getting rejected. I know. That was so, that was <laughs> oh, the, okay, aggravating. That place is actually less than, it, it's just down the street from us. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit galling to every time I go by, I'm like, there was that awesome balcony in that room that we would have used as the TV room. But I really love our place right now. So it all worked out. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.